Hello and welcome to Four Spikes. As always, I am your host, Jonathan. With me is my co-host, Greg. Hey. And a special guest today. Uh, who do we have today, Greg? Uh, we've got the Beanie, or as My Night Magic now refers to him as his actual name, Robert. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> and what do you what do you prefer? Should we call you the Beanie? Should we call you Robert? Should we call you the Robert? Huh? I think it's. I think since I think since Monday Night Magic has such the crossover audience that it's just easier to refer me by Robert. And I just. I mean, that's what we're going to try to do on the uh, Manuscript is just go by Robert. So, okay. So people don't get confused. Sounds good. All right, Robert. Well, uh, we have an awesome show tonight, and thanks so much for joining us. I, I think that you are probably the most well-traveled MTG cast guest that there's ever been. I don't think anyone has had more exposure than you. So first of all, props to that. Second of all, props from being from Milwaukee, because that's just awesome on its own. So, you're two for two. Greg, what are we getting into tonight? Uh, this is basically state, state, state. That's right. Uh, we get some of uh, Robert's thoughts, and we've got lots and lots and lots of content. Absolutely. So, states is coming up. We're actually recording this Wednesday night, and hopefully... We can get the editing done, and we're going to try to push it out so it'll be ready by states, which is going to be Saturday, October 9th, so it's coming up pretty soon. And uh, one one thing that's interesting is that states is a tournament that's it's had its ups and downs because they, for whatever stupid reason, wanted to take it away, and then it was so popular that it got supported just basically on the grassroots level, and now... It's the 2010s or whatever, or provincial states, da-da-da-da, but it's back. And not only is it back, but it's back just in time for Scars of Mirrodin to be legal and for the other sets to rotate. So what does that mean? No Jun, right? I think we can all take a second to celebrate that. Some of us were very happy that Jun is gone. Yes. Uh, yeah. Jun... John was, John was a nice opportunity, as, as John has, has mentioned in the past, for the proletariat to, uh, to, to shine. Nice, cheap deck that wins everything. Anybody can, can, can play that deck and have easy access to that deck, but I'd like to go to a, a more diverse format again. I still hold tight by that. It was good for the quote-unquote proletariat. It was good for magic to allow a lot of people who wouldn't have access to all the super expensive cards to get in it and to be competitive but by the same token it made it so popular it just crushed so many other potential innovations that could have happened so right now it's it's kind of a weird period for deck building because it well, this is just my thoughts and then uh greg and robert i want to hear your thoughts but my my uh understanding of it was basically all these other decks that have wanted to surface are now just exploding, and they don't even necessarily incorporate a lot of Scars of Mirrodin's cards. They're just so happy that the cards that people have been wanting to play with so much, but because of Bit Blast into Bloodbraid Elf into Blightning or Sprouting Thrynax, they had literally no chance. Now they're just popping out all over the place, right? Like, what do you guys think? Absolutely. I'll let Robert get a word in advice here. 
basically the nice change about this is is that and and we've discussed this a lot on numerous podcasts and i think you've discussed this too is one of the biggest problems we've had in magic period is the lack of innovation the lack of people willing to experiment with homebrew decks mm-hmm. uh to go out there and be on edge and try to not play what is considered safe or standard safe um i think you might experience it this weekend the two decks that i know you guys will talk about that you will see that will be the safe plays in states will be blue white control and bellicoot ramp oh yeah it's nice to be able to it's nice to be able to take cards like you have right now and experiment with lots of different things there's there's ultra fast formats there's large there's big creature formats there's you know many different ways look at this i mean i've heard people talk on twitter about running infect decks yep i mean it's scary it's scary one of the things that i think in terms of uh innovation being so terrible i think there's a lot of reasons a lot of people blame moto a lot of people blame net decking the the easy access to all those lists right after they happen but i think that the fact that Jun was so cheap was not just that Jun was so good, but Jun was so cheap that you had, regardless of your 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 experience, your access to cards and your income, you had access to the best deck. Innovation was not necessary. Now, innovation is is almost your only option for a number of people that even stare at. Um, blue white control or Valka Ramp and stare at the 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 price of, of primeval titans or the price of Jace and the price of you know or access to, to events or Sun Titan access to some of the newer stuff. So I think that innovation innovation on um, particularly when it comes to the the states and some of the stuff we're gonna see this week is it's really the only the only option which is great because it means that people that Want that that don't have a have a have a very limited budget are going to be innovating. People that have a larger budget are going to stare at, at the, the decks that, that are popular and exist. That like Valkyrie and Blue Eye Control and say, well, that's not necessarily all that exciting. Like if you if you play both those decks, I mean, Blue Eye Control is is, is is control. Whether you're a control player or not, you may not particularly like that build. And Valkyrie Ramp is I don't know about your guys' thoughts, but I've played the deck and I think it's pretty boring to play. Very, very straightforward. So I think that people, even people with access to those cards, are also going to be encouraged to, to innovate. So I think that that it's going to be an absolute crapshoot what your first, second, and third round opponents are going to be. Well, and the the interesting thing about states is that it usually comes, it has normally come at this time of year where it's right on the cusp of everything breaking out, but it's before any of the quote unquote pro players get a crack at it because. You know, there's no pro tours with this format yet. There's no big money tournaments, except we we just had the New York City 5K through Star City Games. But for the most part, it's always been it's always been an opportunity for that, which is awesome. And one of the cool things about this, like Greg was saying, is that people are hungry and uh, unable to afford four Jaces sometimes, and and four Primeval Titans and everything else. But there are contenders that are not as expensive. Should we go right into those, or should we talk about the state's prep first? What do you guys want to do? Uh, we've only got 
only got Robert for, for a little while longer here. He's actually uh, going to go on to his own show in about, in about 15 minutes. Is that correct, Robert? Yeah, probably you know, probably about you know, 30 minutes, depending on when they get online and ready sure. to go. Okay. I actually was ex- kind of excited when you guys were talking about the fact of uh, Greg and I were talking about all the preparation you guys have been doing for states, including the uh, 5.30 p.m. to 4.30 a.m. <laughs> I think... Uh, I think I think your listeners would be uh, very much interested in hearing about this stuff because it 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 describes the level of work that needs to really be put in to be competitive at a format this wide open and I and I really think the people would like to hear about that I know I do so why don't you run with that all right <laughs> Greg you, so, that that's all on you buddy yeah so so that that's a that's a pre- Brief description of a, of, a, of a longer anecdote about uh, I was one last night. They're, they've all blended together. I think that was Monday night. I, I kind of put I, I texted pretty much everybody in, in on my phone that has MTG in front of their name and said, uh, "Open house, come over and play test five fifteen on." Well, I didn't exactly anticipate when I said five fifteen on that that on was going to go until. You know, shortly before my my girlfriend wakes up in the morning to go about her her daily her daily business, so uh, that that did subsequently happen when uh, uh, three people three people came over, um, one one right away and helped me proxy up some decks. We we, we put together a, a small gauntlet, and then uh, and then we ended up having having four to basically play test the crap out of uh, some some particular decks. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't as uh, as wide open as as I really wanted to, to to be, but at the same time, you can only do so much in in you know even even a couple of hours of, of playtesting. So. Well, and that's and that's a good point too, um, Greg. Just to jump in, there's two important things you said there. One is the prepping for states, but there's even prepping for prepping for states. Meaning, yep. you want to proxy up at, at least five of the decks that you think you'll see there. Right, like you guys had what the you had a uh, the the mono white deck, right? The Memnite one, with all the yeah, equipment. The, the the one the, the quest for the holy relic uh, deck. It's it's different than the, the deck up on MTG, uh, daily MTG. But I highly encourage people to go and check that out. There's an there's an article that came out, I believe it was today, that uh, that highlights a version of that deck that actually includes um, squadron Hawk. But that was the main the main difference of the deck. We 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 had been working with with the deck. For, for about a week and a half, that was basically that deck. Right. It's so the, super fast. So there's that one. There's there's a couple other ones, but you want to have at least five, you know, competitive to very competitive decks there, and that and you don't even have to have the cards. You can take a sharpie. You can proxy that up. But sometimes, as Robert was saying, you you know it it does take a lot of preparation. You even have to prepare for your preparation because you don't want to have to spend all that time writing things out and waste half an hour proxying things up when you could be shuffling cards and just playing right there, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, you, you definitely want to take advantage of the opportunity uh, that you have of, of other people being at your disposal to play games. Right. Um, literally, the difference between one and two is, is, is absolutely huge. The difference between two and four is, is almost exponentially bigger. I mean, that sounds obvious, but it's really not. The, the ability to actually play a real game of Magic. Now, most of those games of Magic are are extremely fast. Your play testing is a, is a different beast. 
but still, the, the opportunity to actually play real games of Magic that give you a legitimate, a, a legitimate idea of how that matchup would go if you were playing for for real, that is an opportunity that you really need to take advantage of as much as possible going uh, leading up to a big tournament. So, before doing that, you have this, this proxy, and proxying, proxying is almost an art in and of itself. Like, uh, what I did uh, before meeting Jonathan was I would go and I would actually get, like, all of, try and get all of the cards of the actual deck. If I had all of the cards, I would go and I'd spend, like, forever going through all my comms and getting all of the cards for a deck every time we wanted to, quote-unquote, proxy up a deck, rather than actually be take a bunch of commons, write on them a sharpie, just the name, and I mean, in some cases, Jonathan actually, Jonathan actually puts, uh, he, he flips the card over, and he puts on the, on the top, right above Magic, right above the Magic logo, he puts um, the name of a card, and he'll do that for a whole deck, and then he'll put on the bottom, he'll flip all of the cards over, and he'll put in another deck on the exact same list of 60. Right. I And sometimes, you know, depending on so, how much yeah, stuff yeah, I have access to, you can flip yeah, and, and you can also do do it on the back. So you could technically get four decks out of one, like, lit you know, one physical deck. And there's, you know, Greg was saying that he's used to just playing with the real cards. But in my mind, it's quicker, it's easier, it's cheaper to do it that way. And why go through all the trouble and time finding the cards if that's not the deck you're going to run with anyway? And you could just have proxied it up. Yep, that's something, and that's something, that's something you learn, but if you... For whatever reason, nobody in your playgroup or nobody that you that you that you that you've tested with has actually done that, or maybe just you know somewhere in between where you're just writing you know on, across the the name of, of the card you cross everything off and put the the mana you know change the mana to what it actually is and change the, the stats to what they actually are. You could do that too. It's probably still faster than going and getting all the cards, but it's it's still you're talking about you know half an hour, forty five minutes per deck, whereas just writing the name, just writing the name. If you know what all the cards do. You shouldn't take all that time. It's just it's way way more efficient. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Like, uh, getting back getting back to my story, we basically we we uh, we, we studied and and and, and, uh, and decided on some and some decks that we knew that we wanted to either a test out because we maybe wanted to, to play them or b we just knew we needed we were going to see. So we we, we processed up those decks and we played a bunch of games. Uh, then we got a little burned out. The burned out for trust. Let's not play magic. Yet. Let's take a break. So we then uh, we then four man uh, rise draft. So we, we drafted uh, rise of the Moon, which was phenomenal. I got a Ben Javine, by the way. Nice. So let me ask you a quick question, Greg. Since you, since you did all that work, now when you guys proxied up these decks and put them together, did was this like the four of you were playing each playing a deck you wanted to play at states, or was it? you testing the deck that you really wanted to play at state and the other three were playing the decks that you were expecting to go against it? Uh, yes and no. So uh, a faux pas that sometimes can happen is you've got a couple people that are a little stubborn and they really want to play the deck that they want to play. So so playing, so playing an obscure rogue deck against an obscure rogue deck is is good in that it gives you the opportunity to play your your deck a little bit and get a little bit familiar with your deck, but that's not something that you should be doing early in the playtesting process, and it's not something that you should be doing hardly at all. I mean, the value the, the value of that game is very limited in comparison to the 
value that you could get, even out of playing um, two decks that you have no intention of ever playing, but two decks that you know you're going to see, to see how those decks interact um, traditionally and in traditional matchups is extremely valuable. To know what your opponent is thinking during during stay is, is just insanely valuable. So so we were we were we were trying the first night as much as possible to to test out decks that we expected to see uh, against other decks that we expected to see with the intent of of getting an idea, getting a feel for okay, how how strong are these? How does how does they work? We've seen the list, we fucked up the list. How do they how do they work? How can we maybe um, have slight improvements that, that make them a little more realistic to what we we truly expect to see. And in that process, are we are we excited about any of these decks? I mean, you really early in the process. And Monday, with our with our um, expectations of playtesting throughout the week, Monday it was truly early in the process for us. Uh, we we were trying to stay away from from, from playing our, our pet decks, um, but but by the end of the night. Uh, as as will happen in, in most groups, you you, you kind of you, you start having fun with some decks and you, and you have less fun with other decks. And it becomes it becomes very exhausting to play a lot of games with with decks that either aren't fun or, um, in some cases, just consistently win or just consistently lose. Like that. So, so it's hard to be hard to be perfect, but but you really want to play as as much as possible with and against the decks you know you're going to see. Uh, in this field. In this field, it's actually really hard to, to do that successfully because there are so many decks. So, um, what we did yesterday, we, 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 we tested a little bit on John, myself, and, and, and Baga. We, we did some testing with, uh, with, with the Rogue deck against um, one or two decks that we, we fully expect to be, to be in the field because they they they've shown that they're going to be that they're going to that they're going to strong A B they're, they're well known so we, we, we started to, to move a little bit towards all right now we're now we're playtesting for for ourselves a little more as opposed to at the beginning of the process we were playtesting to really get um, help the group up with some of those statistics that say hey deck A B deck B blah percentage of the time and stuff like that. Well, that's good because that's one of the things that has been discussed. You discussed about it just recently, uh, about the fact that if you, you you get tuned in with your deck and you know the matchups of your deck versus other decks, and you don't truly understand the interaction that the other one has with the other, it, it like I said, I think a lot of people fall into the first category of. If I'm going to play Valakut Ramp, I want to play Valakut Ramp against Primeval, the the Green Eldrazi deck and Blue White Control, and you know uh, the Quest of the Holy Relic deck. I want to play test against those, and I want to know my win percentage against them. Period. Instead of saying, "Okay, it's your turn. You play it. I want to see what this does." And like you said, you need to be a step ahead of the people at states because right now this is where, like you said, you have a tremendous advantage right now of doing both sides of the table. So when you sit there, you almost, in, like I said, instinctively know what they're doing. And, yeah. I, and I, think that's, I think that's really critical to being really successful at states. Absolutely. And that's, that's an important point to the fact that, you know, last night we even had this discussion, which is who's going to play what deck. 
And I and since I didn't get to play test with them earlier, Greg, you know, made sure that I was playing the whole time. Thanks for that, Greg. And he also made sure that, you know, I made sure that I was playing my deck that I want to play, but also, you know, a couple of the other choice decks because, you know, I want to, I'm not going to play Valakut Ramp, but I wanted to play test against it and I wanted to play with it because I want to know what the cards feel like in my hands, what I'm, you know, what the decision making tree feels like. It's one thing to look at it on paper and I'm not good enough like some of the pros are to just see something on paper and be able to go through all those interactions. Finkel is, but I have no Finkel, <laughs> uh, as probably none of us are. Um, but yeah, none, of us, yeah. none, of us, none of us can do that, though some of us are cocky, cockier than others and believe that we can. Right, so it's important to to play with those other decks as well, and to even, even if that's not the deck you're going to run, you're going to play against it, and you're going to want to know the process sees that they're going through in their minds before you make your play, or, you know, that's why you're going to make a, a certain play as opposed to another play. Is there, is, is there any deck, now that you said that the field is so wide open, is there any deck out there that that hasn't been discussed that in the back of your head could be one of those, like this week uh, Conley Woods uh, wrote an article on Channel Fireball about... Uh, using the celebration card in a deck to explode and do damage, damage, damage to you or to a creature or whatever quickly. Is there a deck that maybe the two of you have been uh, throwing around in the back of it that you might have heard or might have heard that might be a rogue deck that you might run against? Yes, and Greg is playing it. <laughs> uh, okay. then we don't want to talk about it. And it's funny because just before, um, when we were on the conversation, Robert, when you were on the phone, we were just talking about that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are, and 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 I'd actually say, I guess, um, you know, we we maybe we should move on to some of the other decks out there and talk more specifically, um, and then we'll go into states prep after that. Uh, the other side of states prep, but one of the decks that I think has gotten almost no coverage at all, except for the great uh, article that Owen Turtenwald wrote. Actually, he wrote it on vintage, but at the end, for some reason, he threw in a little piece about states, and he said that uh, he thinks the deck to play is a red deck wins, uh, basically the same Zendikar block deck, except with Koth. Um, and Molten Mastercore on the sideboard for Core Firewalker. I would highly recommend going to Channel Fireball and checking out his article because it is really, really interesting. And if you're interested in vintage, you can read the first, you know, 75% of it as well. Um, but it, it, he has a pretty, you know, good insight, which is that because there's so many rogue decks out there and because everyone's going to be playing with funky, cool stuff, a consistent, aggressive strategy with a consistent, aggressive deck that wins like that has an inherent advantage, one, in uh, just raw power, but two, because if you're presenting questions as opposed to having all the answers, meaning if you're putting your opponent on the defensive all the time, it allows them to make more play mistakes because they're less battle-hardened with their white Memnite deck or with their you know Lux Cannon artifact deck or with their proliferate decks or whatever, than you are with your deck, and therefore their decision trees get more and more um, 
complicated as the plays go on, which gives them more opportunity to misplay while, you know, while you uh, in turn are gaining advantage incrementally every single time that happens. So I'm surprised. That, I'm actually kind of surprised that we haven't talked about uh, RDW uh, a lot more because that was a deck that I was looking at a lot, uh, a lot, a lot earlier, and I think that it is undoubtedly one of the one of the decks to beat. Um, Absolutely. There, there, there are there are there are there are some different decks. Agro, tempo, and control. Like there's definitely the control deck to beat is like control the, the mid range deck to beat is is Valkyrie Ramp, in my opinion. And and final red is truly the standard bearer of agro. I think that that's going to be the, uh, a deck that you need to know how it works, and you need to know if how to uh, survive long enough to do whatever you're trying to do, even if what you're trying to do is agro. Because if you're, if you're playing agro against agro, it's all about who wins first. And if you can manage to somehow get the, your opponent into a, a into some kind of off tempo like. You know, start to, to backpedal, and you just gotta you gotta collapse on yourself. Um, Mono red is definitely a deck to uh, to look at, and uh, whether you play it or not, you definitely need to know how. Absolutely, and. And I can't believe we forgot to ask this, but Robert, if you were playing in states, which I know you have some family obligations, and, and you're not able to this year, right? Yes, unfortunately, my wife is coming back from a four-day trip out to Washington, and since she has not seen me nor the kids in the last four days, uh, she kind of wants to spend some time with us. So, no, as much as I would love to go there and either play or and or uh, realistically be there as an observer, uh, that's just not humanly possible. And she's not the type of I, she, sorry, she's not the type of wife that's just going to um, watch you play and rub your back the whole time for the eight hours or ten hours, right? Or is that, like... No. Okay. Just just making sure. Because if it was, that would work out great. <laughs> no. Because no, 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 no. if I had eight hours with her, she'd say we have lots of other things to do. Uh, basically, nice. if I was playing in states, uh, ironically, uh, as sad as this sounds, I, I was playing a budget version of Valakut deck before Valakut became popular, mm-hmm. before Primeval Titan came into the deck and made it ridiculous. I was playing the <laughs> budget version of it, and I'm very familiar with the deck, and that's probably the one I would go with. Uh, the the deck I would love to see work, and I don't and I don't think anyone's going to try running it, and I'm going to mill through the states list as soon as they come out. I'm hoping someone has enough... Uh, I believe those are known as cojones. Yeah, cojones to run a infect deck. Oh yes, they'll be there for sure. The- I'll say it right now that, that you will if you if you if you go deep. Bifurcation. Uh, I'm not sure if, if they'll be good enough to go deep. Therefore, if in the latter round you may play them, but uh, you will definitely definitely see people on the left or on the right of you. Early, in early rounds, playing some version of an impact deck. Absolutely. I think there, are, I think there are, are, are multiple ways of going about, and some of those those different directions are very powerful and explosive. Well, the good thing about the infect deck is, and Robert, you talked about this a couple of times, I know, because I listened to 
pretty much all the podcasts I can on this network because MTG Cast is awesome. But uh, you're and <laughs> I run, you know, you're on a bunch of those, so I get to hear your thoughts yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you made a really good point a couple times about the Infect version you would run, which would take advantage of Icarats, as well as the Infect Lord, which whenever you play a creature with Infected, uh, deals one, it, it gives your opponent one poison counter, because the ability to do that kind of, I guess, direct damage with Infect, as you might say, and without any combat math involved, is super important. And there are multiple ways now of doing this, so I think that those decks are definitely strong, and with you know, the, uh, I think it was, I can't remember who came out with the first one I saw, but with the Distortion Strike Splash and with, you know, a couple of the other, um, you know, it, I just think that against a deck such as Valcut Ramp, where until turn four, turn five, they're not able to quote unquote combo off or whatever, they could be dead by then. Or they could go off, get their Primeval Titan, kill you next turn. But all you need is that Icarats to give them that last point. You don't even have to attack with it. You just need that one more infect creature that you can cast. Like there, there's just so many ways, so many options. I think infect does have uh, more reach than it's given credit for, and I completely agree. And you had some great insight into that, Robert, before. And I think that your insights will be rewarded by the results of states because, you know, it's it's so powerful. I mean, like twenty is so much more than ten. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is, but the, the after doing numerous testing with it, I did, I, when I tested, I tested with Mono Black only because it was easier for me to put it together in Magic Workstation. And testing Mono Black, it, it struggles to get out quick enough and then, then have answers. So I don't think you can run Mono Black with it because I kind of did a pseudo-control slash um, Infect deck, and that doesn't really work. If you're going Infect, you basically have to commit to the Infect completely and then use your extra card. Okay, uh, the the list I've been seeing out there that have been running Infect have been running... Uh, the one that blew black that kind of mirrored what mine was was running Jace the Mind Sculptor in it uh-huh. in order to put creatures where they need to be on the list and, you know, bump the distortion strikes and stuff like that in the right positions. Sure. Uh, I don't think, I tested with Mono Black, but Mono Black does not have enough answers early to get to where it needs to. But uh, that's that's basically my quick thoughts on that. And ironically, guys, uh, I have another show to go do. Um, <laughs> next time I will hopefully get more time with you guys. And I do apologize for having to jump off, but I do appreciate you guys having me on. And I appreciate all the testing you guys have been doing. Uh, you posted that up there, Greg. I almost literally, I sat there and I almost <laughs> thought you were, you know, putting that time down incorrectly. But, uh, <laughs> you guys keep up the excellent work. And hopefully next time I will get a little more time with you guys. But I'm off to go do my show. Otherwise, I'm going to be up till 3 in the morning doing shows. All right. Well, you guys continue having a great show, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you soon. Cool. Yeah, Thanks, I, Robert. I'd like, to, I'd like to actually talk about the effect, though, briefly. Um, sure. You just talked about uh, like a, a black version and, and, and black and blue versions. I think that if you're going to go infect, you got to take advantage of that opportunity, that, that very exclusive opportunity that infect has of, of really being 
um, faster than anything in, 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 in more, more explosive than any other type of aggro could potentially be. So what I mean by that, um, so two, two different, a couple different kinds of lists. I, I've seen black and green lists, which obviously, um, black and black and green are the exact colors. Um, but the strongest, the strongest lists I've seen was a mono green and a mono, almost exclusively mono green list with, um, a splash of blue for just the distortion strike or, or a splash of, of blue for uh, renegade, renegade doppelganger or both. And I think that, that like, Ultra aggro green infect is is definitely the way to go with, with with that strategy because you can play groundswell or giant growth or vines of Astwood and and make your guy just insane and really fast. I've seen I've seen turn I've seen turn uh, turn three kills very consistently. It's it's actually. It's actually not not that remarkable when 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 you're watching a game and if they're on the play they, they get that that crazy that crazy uh, that crazy win. Uh, it's not it's not the most consistent in the world, but it's definitely definitely a contender at that at that at that particular archetype. For sure, and especially against slower decks that aren't running bolts or maybe even condemns or whatever. Even if you're playing, even if you're playing bolt, like so, even like. Like especially strong against contenders like Valka and, and, and like um, Blue Light Control. If they don't if they don't have a Wall of Omens turn two, man, it's scary. But even if it's, they do have a turn two Wall of Omens, you can still cast your Icarats, give them a point, Distortion Strike, give them three points, you know, etc. You can yeah. cast your Flyer, fly over the wall. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the deck the deck has the deck has options. Absolutely. Sure. Let's move on to a couple. Of the other decks that are out there, uh, we have a ton of decks up here, but let's just pick a few to go over. We should we talk about Valakut anymore? Um, I, th- I think it's the strongest deck in the format by far. Um, it's, it's it's insane. Like it's it's it's, it's it, it may be it may be boring to play. I, don't know, I mean, not everybody thinks it's boring to play. It's not that boring. It's not. It doesn't exactly align with with my play style or, or Jonathan's. Correct. But, uh, it, it's it's definitely it's de- definitely a deck you can get a hold of the the, the quantity of cards that changed from a Valakut ramp deck that existed before rotation uh, not many uh, if if any in some cases uh, so it's definitely a deck that you, you can you can get a hold of from a card availability standpoint yeah uh, yeah I mean there's, there's 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 there are a lot a lot a lot of decks the the, the deck that that I think is is not going to be around. That only really lost one thing is actually Pyromancer's Ascension, but I think the the thing that it lost was well, the ability to do, what's that? It lost it lost a couple things, right? It lost Ponder, which is huge, and it lost Time Warp, which is backbreaking. Uh, yeah, the Time Warp. Um, Ponder is relevant, but but I think that, that the Time Warp makes the deck unplayable, and I think that some people may not notice that they may they may not realize how critical that card was, and and, and they may be playing. It. If you're a listener and you're thinking about playing Pyromancer's Ascension, test the crap out of the deck because I'm I'm certainly not convinced. Play it against play it against our better judgment. We warn against anyone who wants to yes. play that. Yes, you're, you're sure. Oh, yeah. But uh, okay, so Pyromancer's Ascension. Um, how about uh, the uh, White Memnite 
you know, whatever deck. I don't know what it's called. Quest it's, it's, deck. There's two of them. There's, there's, there's two different um, Memnite white decks. There's there's one that, that is, you know, Uber equipment, like Getcha. You know, low, low quantity of lands, like less less than 20 in every build that I've seen anywhere from. There's one crazy version that, that I heard had less than 10 lands to... Um, to like eighteen being the, the like sixteen to eighteen being the quantity that I hear most frequently, but um, uh, there's there's that which is basically just a get one dude out there and ride him to victory is by turn like three, and then the other one, the one that I think you're probably trying to get at, is actually a tempered steel based deck, where the idea is you have to throw your hand on on the ground. At, at very very quickly, you get to tempered steel, and the, the sheer quantity of, of, of dudes um, that are that are just coming at you is, is, is very very hard to deal with. And it even has the ability with um, that blue shuffle all your graveyard into your uh, library and draw seven cards, you and your opponent. That card to just refill and do it again. Um, so it's 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 pretty crazy. Which deck? Which card? The blue card that shuffles. Yeah, so it's 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 it costs. Uh, I don't recall. It's 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 the, it's the card that from M eleven that. The new, I mean, the new time twister. Yeah, it's yeah. That For card. five. Yes. Okay, that seems awful. Don't play that deck either. That's well, bad. Anyway, I'm, 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 that's, not, <laughs> that's not a part of that's not a part of our gauntlet, but it's definitely a part of the pool of decks that I think that you're going to see. Up. Okay, I hope I play against that deck. It's bad. Um, there's. Another deck that I think is probably the second strongest. It's a it's a high contender. There's two that I think that are second strongest right now, and they're both green. The first one is the Eldrazi Green, which really hasn't changed since the Conrad Kolos deck. It's not that different. There's it's insane, right? It lost rampant growth, but whatever. But the other deck is Elves. What do you think about Elves, Greg? I I haven't seen. I mean, you, you described the list before the show. Uh, actually, I think this afternoon you described the, the list, and uh, uh, I'm definitely I'm, I'm interested, but I, I have not tested the deck. I have not tested against that deck. That's a deck that is to me unknown, which is definitely an, an advantage that it will have. I, I think if if it because it's not very well known. Um, but that that mono green Eldrazi deck is scary as shit. Like that that deck is insane. I think the elves deck is is redonkulously strong with the new un, with the new elf that Copperhorn Scout. Whenever you attack, untap all other attacking creatures. So you can play your two two elf that gives plus three plus two and trample for five mana. To all your other elves. You can you know play all your mana dorks. And and not only that, but you also have Fauna Shaman, which can search up your lords, and you just have so much mana, and you can say you can play so few lands in that deck. It just seems so powerful. Also another deck that can get around the blue-white strategy. I think it's probably the second most powerful deck in the format right now, although it's pretty close to Eldrazi Green and Red Deck Wins. It is look out for it because I think it's going to be huge. I think it's going to be great, and I think it'll do really well in this format. But Greg, um, maybe that'll be our great debate for today. We can put that down as the one that we disagree on. I'm calling it now. It's gonna it's gonna top eight at least ten states in in these United States. What do you think, Greg? That, that elves deck. That yeah. Elves deck. 
Wow. I'm calling it. Now you got me curious. Now I want to look at a list. That's a that's a bold statement. I'm calling it. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll know by the time this show is up. I mean, that, that doesn't necessarily say that much, given the, the the sheer quantity of states and provinces, because this is not just states is not just just states. the fifty states, just U- USA. These okay. these good old United States. Okay. So our Canadian listeners, if you guys take this and win, he's not he doesn't get to count it. No, your bonus points. Canada gets bonus points for that, especially if it's a member of the A team. But uh, yeah, I I really like the Elves deck, and I'll make that prediction. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, listeners, you might already know the answer. So either I'm dumb or smart or whatever, but I think that deck's great and. We would also like to hear what you think about this standard season. Uh, if you get this before states, give us your thoughts. If you get it after states, shoot us your thoughts at the end of the show. And in our show notes will be how to get a hold of us. Yeah, I'm curious what, 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 what the listeners think the, the gauntlet, like their, their top, the top decks that they're A, likely to see in terms of the sheer quantity of people, but also um, B, the, the most powerful decks that they that they are, are gonna that they feel that need to be played against like their gauntlet our gauntlet at least my my, my gauntlet is, is Valkyrie Ramp Blue White Control Red Deck Winds and Mono Green Eldrazi I think that those four decks are just absolutely insane um, or, or or not necessarily insane but they're just gonna be sheer quantities you need to know how to play against them yeah I mean what John do you, do you disagree do you have a, do you have a different list I mean do you think else is gonna also be popular other than just really strong. Oh, oops! I just saw that. I just saw Robert's uh, final message. Yeah, I, I, I just I saw it. I saw it about five minutes ago. I was like, oh, yeah. Sorry, we didn't give you any final thoughts on there. But uh, well, I'm I'm sure that he will he will transition his thoughts into the the Manage Group podcast. So we'll quick plug, plug that there for now. Uh, uh, Robert Robert's a member uh, of the of the Manage Group podcast, uh, along with a tangent and and their 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 large quantity of frequent guests. Um, so if you if you if you want to hear hear more from him, you definitely check out um, the, their latest episode of that because there there may be some 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 transition from what we were talking about a little earlier on on that episode. Yep. Um. I think we can we can quick run. Um, uh, if you want to give your your response to the to the gauntlet, uh, that'd be great. And then I'd like to, yeah. to go back and kind of quick run through. Um, how to prepare for a, a larger larger tournament? We talked to touched on some of the topics before, but I'd like to kind of quick run through that. Um, if, after you give what your your gauntlet is. Yep. Um, well, I I completely agree with with basically the decks that you guys are running. I think if you can test five decks before right now, it should be red deck wins, uh, blue eye control. Um, uh, ramp, uh, Eldrazi ramp, green, uh, Valakar ramp, and either elves or that white weenie deck, or um, or really, yeah, either one of those two decks would be fine for the last one. But I think you should try as much of those as possible. Let's talk about let's talk about states prep. And what to do? We we talked about the uh, the more holistic side of it, which is that magic is a as much of a mental game as anything, 
And what do they say? Healthy body, healthy mind. So what were your thoughts, uh, Greg, on that? So let's say that it's a year from now. Mm-hmm. And, and if you guys, if you guys can use, use this information to, to help, you know, this, this, this year's states or, or, or for next year's standard season, uh, great. Uh, or if you really, really, really want to take down an F and M and you have it or whatever. Anyway, um, let's say it's a year from now and it's, and it's, it's three weeks before states and a, a new set just comes up. What do you do? So step one, guess about the metagame. So do your research. Look at, at anything that you possibly can to just you know, um, build mentally what, what is going on in, in standard. And, and at that exact moment, because it's the transition from one set to from, from the rotation, the, the quantity of decklists that are proven is going to be very low, but there are going to be some that lose very little, some, some, some decks that lose very little. In this case, Valkyrie Ramp, Blue Eye Control are, the, are, the, are the, the primary. So when you've got decks like that, you definitely you know, know that they're a part of your metagame, but you want to be aware of what, what's out there. So look at decklists, look at what's winning in standard MTGO queues, because that's, that's a big way of how some of the pros... Um, Look at what, what, what a metagame is before they start doing their designing. So uh, if, if the pros do it, it's probably not too good for the rest of us. So um, that's step one. Step two, choose choose like an introductory gauntlet. Like what what do you think at the beginning um, you're for sure going to face? So the, the, the decks that you know that you're going to face, you definitely want to put those to part of your first gauntlet. Um, and if there are decks that just scare the crap out of you, um, that just seem like really, 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 really good, even if they're not certainly going to be a part of the, the gauntlet, uh, be a part of the stuff that you're going to face, then I recommend that you take those decks and put them into that first gauntlet as well. So have, choose an introductory gauntlet. Step three, playtest, playtest, and playtest more. So um, play the decks that are inside that introductory gauntlet and attempt to avoid using any pet decks uh, as much as possible to avoid... Uh, becoming biased about that deck that you know you really want to run anyway. So, so play all those decks, and then based on that information, and play lots of games, and try and, and, try and encourage other people to, to, that, you're, that you're playing with to also be playing decks that, that they're not, that they don't have sneaking suspicion that they're going to be playing for that big turn. Just try and, just find, try and play as many games as possible with these decks. Then, then move on. Step four, pick a deck. So, what do you have experience with? So, what are either, um, what kind of deck were you playing before? What, what kinds of decks um, do you typically play? Um, so, what's what's winning within that gauntlet? Are there decks that are clearly you know top notch within that gauntlet that just say, hey, play? Me. Um, what, what what kind of play style do you have in terms of? Um, are you are you an aggro player? Do you like to to, to turn guys sideways? Are you somebody that likes to play permission and control? Do you, are you somebody that really just wants a tempo deck? You, you know, if if the, there is a, a clear answer to that question, if you don't just play, um, you know, if, if if it doesn't change all the time, and you always find yourself playing a control deck because that's the type of magic that you a enjoy or b know that you're good at, try and find a deck that meets what you're good at because it's going to a be a lot easier to pilot well. But B, it's also going to make 
the exhausting day that large PTQs or, or Grand Prix or, or, or states where you're running eight, ten rounds playing the same deck, if it's not a tempo that you like, that you enjoy, by, by round seven, you, you hate your deck. You hate, you hate the game. If it's, if it's something that, that, that follows your style, you, you definitely want to take advantage of that as, uh, as much as possible. So be, be, be conscious of that. There's a, there's a number of articles that I ensure that I, that I uh, encourage you to go and look for online. Uh, Channel Fireball has, has a number of them that, that talk about how do you determine what, what your play style is if, if you're not familiar with it. And then uh, in the case of, this is kind of a general thing, if, is the meta, metagame well known? If it's, if it's a known metagame, then you've, you've got the known decks that are out there and you can choose to, to go rogue because... You, you, you know you can you can try and, and be a surprise factor where everybody's looking for these you know known decks. In this case with states, that's not the metagame. The metagame is just a crapload of unknown decks with a, with a couple of exceptions. So what I recommend in this in, in this case when you're picking a deck is really to to think about the pace of the decks that you expect to see. Uh, Jonathan and I have both have both talked about this in the past. I think we're probably about to talk about it a little bit right now. Uh, aggro is the default option when there isn't a defined metagame, and that is exactly what I anticipate. The majority of the rogue decks, the decks that we you've never heard of, or the decks that you've seen spoiled here or there that haven't actually been proven. I think the majority of the decks that we run are going to be aggro. Uh, to be successful, at least. So, so most of the decks, by, by, by round three, if you're doing well, by round five, the, the, the aggro decks are going to be very, very predominant uh, because they can be blah. They don't care about blah. Uh, but there are other options, control, mid-range, tempo, etc., that, that may may make sense. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on, on, on the current the current metagame? Yeah, I think aggro will be big. I think... Like I said, Valkyrie Ramp is going to be the deck to beat, and I think that there'll be a strong showing of Aljazi Green. But yeah, I mean, it's wide open. I think everyone should bring their homebrews. Everyone should play with decks that they think are fun and cool. And this is the best time ever because it's your turn to get a crack at it. So play what you're comfortable with, get a lot of playtesting in, and I think that this is the best time in magic when it's it's wide open and everyone can brew up their own stuff and i love that so yeah totally agree so fun. uh so so last things after you pick a deck obviously play your deck versus the gauntlet you know try and try and play every matchup both sides play play against your deck play you know play a deck that you know like play valakut against the deck that you've chosen if it's something that isn't valakut or if you're playing valakut you know play against mirror you know do it Play those as much as possible. Then, then after you've played it a bunch, make a sideboard. In sideboard, like we could talk, we could talk for an hour about how to make a sideboard. Um, not just because it's a interesting, but be, because b there's a lot of different strategies to do it, and, it, and, it's, and it's not the easiest thing in the world. Like uh, sideboarding in general is not a particularly easy thing to do. Um, but what I recommend. Well, I recommend when you when you when you've got a, a deck that didn't exist before you thought it up, to 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 not to not auto include anything in your sideboard. To start from scratch. So pretend that you could start over 
and change your main deck in any way to play a given opponent. So say Valk, so Valk is my opponent. All right, what would I do if I could do anything within standard to my deck to make my deck the, the best it possibly could be in that matchup? And then change it. Put in all those changes. Write them down. Test it out. Keep testing. Keep changing. And make like a main deck that it is, is as good as it possibly can be against that opponent. Write all that crap down. Move on and do the exact same thing with all of the decks in the gauntlet. If your deck is a part of the gauntlet, yeah, talk about the you know, think about the, the, the mirror match. Ask your friends. Ask, ask what other people think. Get as much information as possible. And after you've done that for all of the matchups, take your notes. Look at your notes and say, hey, I've got, you know, I take this, I've got this card in all of these, in all of these decks. All of this, all of the, all of the, the cards that are in every matchup, those are cards that are in your main deck. And then all the cards that, that are, are, are not yeah. auto includes exactly. those are the cards that become a part of your sideboard. So that's, that's at least a place to, to start. You then, you then make some decisions where, um, some block card that you you probably don't want in very free, you know very much. It's still a better sideboard card against the non gauntlet deck. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. To talk about. But anyway, I, I'm going to move on. Um, then, uh, then the, the night before the, the the big tournament, there's there's a lot of things that you really really should do to prepare so you are not panicking. The day of the tournament. And I'll transition into John because I know John loves to talk about this stuff because it is it is very important and it is looked over consistently. Our peers, you know, it's just these are things that are looked over. So, so John, lead us off. What, what do you do right before, right before after you've got your deck, you know exactly what it's going to be. What do you do going into and the day of a, a massive tournament? Well, nope, had my mute on. Well, I think that it's very important to prepare yourself mentally for going into a big tournament. So what does that mean? It means, and we talked about this in our pilot podcast, but no one's heard that besides us, so I'm just going to go over it one more time. Get a good night's sleep. That's super important. Be rested. You're going to want to play test as much as possible, but in, you know, you, you, you want to look at it like this. You want to win the tournament and then, or you want to get to that last round in the tournament and then think to yourself mentally back. Go through all the steps and say, what do I wish I would have done before I got to this last round in the tournament? And make sure all that gets done. So so the first thing, the first thing, the night before, you should register your deck. Print off, print yep. off a sheet. Yeah, you should register your deck the night before, print it off, write it down, and that way when you get there you don't have to be uh, messing around with everyone in line and trying to get things down. And The most important reason to do it is because you will now have an assurance that you didn't misregister anything. And a loss from a misregister is freaking awful. Take it from me, I've done it, I've blown myself out of tournaments by writing one card down wrong or you know, forgetting another card or whatever. And that's a huge issue. Another um, important thing is take some kind of protein with you and take water with you. People get dehydrated. People at chess tournaments literally pass out because they're thinking so much, their brain gets, you know, they they get dehydrated. And it's 
often easy to forget how much hydration your body needs because you're in the middle of stuff, it's all day, you're not thinking about it. I've been to Israel many times, and each time I travel there, there's a saying in Hebrew, which is, and it basically means, if your piss is yellow, drink more water. If your piss is clear, then you're doing okay, because it's it can get so hot, especially if you're hiking through the Negev Desert, as I did my first time, and it just gets so so hot sometimes that you you don't realize how much water you're losing. The same is true for magic. And if you get a little bit of a headache, if you get the throbbing, you know, that's the same type of warning your body's giving you. Pay attention to that. Drink a lot of water. If you have to go to the bathroom between rounds, do what you have to do, but drink a lot of water, stay hydrated. And I try to bring a bag of peanuts with me or something with a lot of protein and some salt to keep me going throughout the day. If you can hit a grocery store before you go to a tournament, that's great. Get some dried fruit, maybe a couple apples, whatever. But all those little things help because if you're putting crap into your body, you are what you eat and you're not going to be at your top peak performance. And it's like your body is a machine. Do you want it performing even if it's just a percentage better or worse? And that's your choice. And you can choose whatever you want to do with it. But if you want to put all that time into playtesting and driving down there and spending your Saturday with a bunch of sweaty magic players, then you should really be there to win, I think. And these are just little things that people forget about that can add a lot. Go to sleep. And I highly recommend that you go to sleep early, as early as you, as, as you, as you reasonably can. So when you wake up, you are refreshed. You are not, you are not stressed. The, there are miracles that are that are done while you sleep to your body. <laughs> yeah, and don't take don't don't uh, follow Greg's follow his words, not his actions. Don't be up till four thirty in the morning getting ready to head out the next day because you are not gonna you are not gonna fare well. Yeah, um, I mean, if, if, if we, could t- we, we could we could we could both tell you know numerous stories of 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 me punting in finals of you know bigger tournaments because of the. You know, sleep. You know, sleep deprivation that I caused myself in in previous days leading up to those big turns. Yep. Uh, I I I I have a couple of times slept like really really well the night before. In those tournaments, I have I have I have always always done well. So like nationals qualifier last year was it was one of one of my, the, my first bigger tournaments, and uh, I slept the night before. I I ate. Uh, cashews throughout the tournament, uh, you know. I saw, and I was sharp going into those final rounds, and and it was it was one of my my best showings to, to that to that point. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but I just missed, missed top sixteen. Yeah, and there's no and there's no reason not to give yourself as much advantage as possible because by not doing that, you are necessarily giving your opponent advantage over you. And there's no reason to give yourself a disadvantage like that. It's a zero-sum game. The worse you play, the better it'll be for your opponent. Um, is there any more thoughts we have on that, or should we move on? No, that's, I mean, that's, that's the big part. I mean, okay. it, it, you're, just, you're just putting yourself in a great position. Um, bringing food, like we talked about this a little bit, but you need to bring food. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, even, if, even if the place that you've got has a policy, say, screw it. Bring, bring water. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I, do not, water. I do not recommend that policy. I, that is... not, we do not explicitly recommend it, but we recommend it. I mean, I, come on. You, you, you need to have water. You need to be hydrated. Yeah, you, you need to have water. If they sell it at the store, you can buy it there, uh, is my suggestion. But you need to have 
you need to have something with you going all day. I always bring a little like bag of, you know, something with me, some peanuts or some cashews or whatever. And I always have, you know, something that I can nosh on throughout the day because, yeah, because there's no reason not to. But I think we beat this dead horse. Yeah, absolutely. And, and okay. Some of it we're going to really need to cut the fuck out. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, so play testing for states. So best of luck. We're going to move on from our exclusively states. We're going to move on from our exclusively states talk to a couple shout outs and some of the great feedback we've been getting from you listeners. And let's take a moment to say thank you to all the listeners. We really appreciate your feedback. And especially uh, to our buddy Matt, who is blogging once again on The Fugitive Wizard. And his website is thefugitivewizard.blogspot.com. Check it out. He's got some great insights there. He writes about. Uh, different statistics in the games we play. Uh, he's going to be getting a Rochester draft going, which is awesome. Uh, he's got some cube information up there. Great stuff. Check it out. Uh, thanks, Matt, for listening. We, we, we asked in the last podcast uh, about possible uh, the great debate topics and then uh, went a step further to actually put a poll on our, uh, our Facebook page about uh, what should the great debate number one be about. Uh, unfortunately, our, our responses were a little poor. The, the, the one of note was uh, actually by uh, our, our, our frequent listener, Alex, from, from Oshkosh. And he said, would you rather lose because of an ultimate Jace or because your spells got countered? That's he easy for that, me. So you say what you think, and, I'm gonna, and I'll, I'll tell you if it's the right one or not. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, this is an easy one, man. It was our great debate. Alex took the time to write this. You haven't thought about it. Come on, it's easy. Well, what I, what I know is that that uh, I love I love control. I, I think that control is awesome. Um, come on, come awesome. on, stop stalling. Getting, getting getting smacked in the face with a counter spell is so St- awful. Stop stalling. I would most definitely rather get chased. Okay, ding ding ding. You are correct, but just barely. The reason why Jace is the correct answer is because ultimating any Planeswalker is just awesome. And that's all there is to it. Okay, moving on. Uh, we have a couple other pieces of feedback we got from Brad Houston, uh, who is a pretty regular listener, and thanks, Brad. Uh, we appreciate all your kind words. I'm trying to find it in our show notes what he said. Oh, there we go. He's excited about, in fact... Yeah, he's excited about Infect, and he also mentioned that Clasp was a cool a cool idea to include, and definitely, I think that's definitely tournament viable. We'll see how viable by the end of states, but I think that it has a lot of it offers a lot of options. So thanks, Brad. Uh, Tony Tabasco, Tony offered his blue green ramp deck after we put ours up, and he is first of all wrong for saying I overvalue Oracle of Moldiah because Oracle is just the Nizuts and that's a fact. But I do appreciate his feedback and he did offer an alternative list which uh, does look pretty good. Um, I do like the Mold Chamblers and the Volition Reigns. But uh, Oracle is the nuts. And thanks Tony for your uh, feedback. We appreciate it. Um, Alex also likes that deck and wants a Rite of Replication in there uh, which is always awesome to kick a ride of replication on your Frost Titan and basically Armageddon everyone, you know, you're just your opponent for the rest of the game and swing with six sixes. So that's pretty cool. Um, we want to say thanks to Marcus, who loves the Wu-Tang Clan reference. 
Thank you very much. I got my my hands in a W right now. You can't see because it it's a podcast, but you know what I'm saying we love we love the uh, the hip hop and well I do. I, Greg is not not as much of a hip hop fan as me, but growing up in our great Milwaukee public school system, I was definitely exposed to quite a bit of uh, the culture and the music of of the rap community, and it's awesome. And we uh, blast it whenever I'm driving to any big tournament. Uh, which is why I usually drive. Which is why Greg usually drives, so I get to listen to my iPod and blast it. So, uh, let's see, were there any other ones? Uh, yeah, I guess we, we, we probably should have talked about uh, Tony's Tony's list earlier. We probably would have made uh, um, Oracle Moldaya versus Draga Tree Speaker as the as a great debate because I think that Draga Tree Speaker is insane, and I think Oracle Moldaya is is a little a little slow for. For what it what it offers at with its uh, with its its toughness being so so weak, I, okay. I think it, it's easily dealt with. Okay, so that's uh, interesting. But uh, but but given that 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 we that we we've already we've already moved on from that topic, I, I will uh, uh, I will quick run through uh, an email that we got from uh, Russ Russ Lilly. Uh, is that I was happy to. I was so happy to hear you that you guys were progenitors of the new podcast that Tom pimped on Monday Night Magic. Ooh, ooh. Uh, Thanks, Tom. Yeah, awesome. Very awesome. We've, we've been getting a lot of coverage, which is great. Thank you. Thank you, everybody that has been uh, has been giving us all the props. Uh, uh, Tangent uh, gave us a prop, give us some props on, on Twitter, which was, which was great as well. So uh, thank you guys for all that. Um, says I've, I've been enjoying each of your episodes and want to let you know that if. Uh, you ever want additional guests uh, that he, he may be uh, interested in, in being a, a guest of ours? So we might we might get some 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 help at some point, um, depending on it how. Sounds well, awesome. Uh, like so, and we are interested uh, in having guests. Else, uh, we we are definitely interested in having guests on um, from time to time. So give us your if you're interested, let us know and why you'd want to be on the show and what you'd have to offer. Because like we brought in Tom and Caleb and Kurt to talk about Cube, we're going to bring in some other people. We had. Uh, Robert and today talk about states. Um, we don't just want to have people on because people like hearing the sound of their own voice, which is awesome, but we want to have people on for a specific purpose. They bring an insight or a new idea in. So if you're interested in being on the show, that's great. Let us know what you'd want to bring to the show and uh, we can take it from there. Exactly. We've had we've actually had um, a number of people, uh, a lot of a lot of the Milwaukee natives in particular, that have uh, have requested to, to be on our show. And there's a couple of, uh, a couple of of pros that we've talked to have have, have shown um, a, a little bit of interest in. And we may once we once we figure out uh, appropriate um, timing and, and appropriate topic to, to get people in, we're definitely definitely interested in having having guests be be a frequent part of our show. Yep. Let's see. I think we're wrapping it up. Um, the last section that we just added last week is the funny links. Last time I put an awesome video for anyone that watched it of uh, this Nazi rally where the Nazis are getting rickrolled by a counter rally, which as a lover of America and free speech, I think that's probably the best ever response to a rally like that that I can imagine. Rickrolling that rally was hilarious and awesome and totally appropriate and brilliant so if you haven't checked it out check out our last show notes and it's pretty freaking funny um this week we're gonna put up one uh, it's uh for k strauss who is actually a kind of comedian actor but he was able to somehow convince all of these shows 
like local news shows or whatever that he was some yo-yo expert and that he was going around doing charity work and then he kind of like takes it over and it's kind of like a Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen type thing uh, but it's really funny and he does a great job and I think he's now got a couple appearances on The Office because of it just because of his YouTube sensation that he you know he he put up there so props to him it's pretty funny check it out K-Strauss it's on our funny link section uh, will be in our show notes rather and how can the good people get a hold of us Greg? So um, on, on Twitter we can both be um, you, can both, you can get a hold of uh, either of us at Four Spikes uh, F-O-R-C-E-S-P-I-K-E-S um, and then we both have, have our own personal Twitters in which you can access via via Forspikes. Four you can just look for yep. who, who Forspikes following. Uh, our email is Forspikes at gmail.com. And then um, on Facebook, just search Forspikes, yep. uh, which is basically, you know, there's, there's, there's not an easier way of explaining that. Just go on Facebook and search for Forspikes. And then also on the MTG cast website, uh, Forspikes, we're, we're not currently available under shows, which is... Is a, a technical thing that I'm sure that we'll we'll be dealing with shortly. So hopefully you'll be able to easily get a hold of us. But just going to to MTG Cast, we, we highly encourage feedback in all of these different forms. Either you know tweet us on Twitter, Facebook us on Facebook, <laughs> email us on on, on email, or uh, leave a comment on the MTG Cast website. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter. That's a good way to get in touch. And. Uh... You can always email us at forcespikes at gmail.com with your thoughts. Uh, but before we go, I just am looking right now, and there's actually some new spoilers up for Mirrored and Besieged. The tagline for the set is Steal Yourself for War. Steal is spelled S-T-E-E-L. And the two cards are... Do you have this up, Greg? Um, I'm bringing it up right now. Okay. Well... As Greg does that, I'll, I'll mention one of them, which is Pierce Strider. It's four colorless mana for a 3-3 artifact creature construct. When Pierce Strider enters the battlefield, target opponent loses three life. It's an uncommon, and the flavor text is, Pain isn't a negative stimulus. Pain is a sign of your imperfection. That's pretty good. Um, do you want to go over the second one? Yeah, Peace Strider. Uh, which is uh, a 4 for a 33 artifact creature construct. It says, when Peace Strider enters the battlefield, you gain 3 life. And then there's also similarly some, some flavor text. Go for it. The Vanished, the vanished must, must have seen it from beyond to aid us in this struggle. It actually says sent it from beyond, but pretty close. And the art is absolutely phenomenal, I have to say, on these two. It looks like this. it's a very severe kind of... Uh, the pure starter especially looks like he's just getting he's got these claws he's getting ready to get in there and you know what it kind of reminds me of this great movie that came out recently called Nine have you seen it? I have not oh it's so good it kind of reminds me of Nine which is a 2009 Tim Burton film that's amazing it's a computer animated science fiction um, produced by Tim Burton, and it has uh, these uh, kind of little guys that run around. But anyway, it looks it looks a lot like something straight out of Nine. And if anyone's seen that movie, let us know. Uh, it's awesome. Either way, um, 
yeah, check out those cards. Look for more Mirrod and Besiege stuff because I guess a whole new set's already getting ready to to grab our attention when we're just getting used to this one, which is cool. We'll see how 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 important this information is later. But um, there is a watermark on the Peace Strider, and there is a watermark on the Pierce Strider, and the the watermarks um, correspond with the two different. Uh, what are those called? Right. Uh, with the with the Phyrexia and the yes. Mirrodin, but that's that's the same with with all of the cards that aren't Planeswalkers or Basic Land and the other set um, as well. Eighty percent of the cards are uh, Mirrodin and twenty percent are Phyrexia. Although that'll probably change in this set um, because yes. as the storyline goes, I guess Phyrexia is kind of slowly oozing in and taking over and corrupting the uh, poor Mirrodin who are getting pwned, I guess. I'm not that big on the storyline, but that's my understanding. If anyone has any other insights, let us know. And I'll just have to say one last thing that I'll say on this is that, first of all, Pierce Strider seems way better than Peace Strider, even though they're both the same casting cost and seem like they do the same thing. I would much rather have a deck with four Pierce Striders than four Peace Striders, and they seem like they could be relevant. I think they'll be really good in Limited, because they are... 4 for a 3-3 three, three with Metalcraft and relevant abilities unless Infect becomes, you know, super redonkulous and the only thing that matters, but seems like relevant abilities not nearly as good as something like Skin Render, but they're getting it's 4 colorless, so I think these guys are pretty good and these guys will be uh, high picks in the draft and you'll be happy to see them in your sealed. Constructed play, not sure these guys really fit the bill, but we'll see. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, definitely. I, I think I think Pierce has has constructive playable uh, uh, potential connotations. It's, it's, it's almost like he's got haste, but it's a it's a guaranteed loss of, of a specific amount of life. So you you know there's there are advantages and disadvantages of that. But I think that's that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty good. It's all right. I mean, yeah, it, it is pretty good. Um, Peace Strider. It's like I could play two one for two that gains me four life instead of playing twice as much mana to gain 3 life for a 3-3. Three, three. I don't know. And plus, you know, life gaining is so much less important than life loss. But we'll see. We'll see yeah, where it goes. So uh, that's, that's all I had. That's all I got. We'll be signing uh, off. Uh, good luck to everyone at States. Again, this is Jonathan and Greg signing off for Four Spikes. Have a good one, everybody. Bye.